This week, our conversation with Nicola Jarvis is sponsored by Avlia Folk Embroidery and Cyber Pointers. Designer Krista West of Avlia Folk Embroidery provides a steady stream of some of the most beautiful designs we see in the cross-stitch world. A new offering is a series of home decor textiles. These are gorgeous, finished, you don't have to stitch them, machine-embroidered table linens from Greece that are available in several sizes. For example, the stunning blue urn table linen is available as a 35 by 35 inch square, 18 by 36 rectangular runner, and as a tapered runner in 15 by 60, 15 by 44, and 15 by 36 sizes. These linens are machine washable, hang dry, and pressed with medium iron or dry clean. Krista's initial offering is six designs. That doesn't mean Krista has stopped creating designs to stitch either. Check out Clara's Garden, Rodora, Oak Park Diamonds, and Tuscan Bergamot. Buy three download PDF charts and get one free with the code DOWNLOADFOLK. That means her four latest designs for the price of three. Go shopping today at avliaembroidery.com. Also sponsoring the show is Cyber Pointers, the only online chapter of the American Needlepoint Guild. Cyber Pointers recently celebrated its 15th anniversary. Cyber Pointers provides many exciting stitching opportunities through meeting programs and workshops. The chapter has an instructor-led program at every meeting. Meetings are held online every other month. Upcoming meeting programs include, in March, Fibonacci Swirls by Olivia Hartshorn, led by chapter member Kathleen Brennan. Registration for that opens February 15. In May, the project will be Stash Sampler by Melita Glavin, and in July, Stars and Stripes by Jenny Walter. Several exciting workshops are planned for the 2024-2025 calendar, including designs from national teachers Kathy Reese, Gail Stafford, Don Donnelly, and Tony Gertis. Be sure to check out CyberPointers' website at cyberpointers.org or contact a CyberPointers board member for all of their exciting current and future offerings. CyberPointers would also like to thank FiberTalk for providing listeners the opportunity to learn about new designers and techniques. We look forward to sponsoring future shows in 2024. Thanks to Avlia Folk Embroidery and CyberPointers for your continued support, and thanks for the kind words. I just joined A&G and CyberPointers because I have to do that Fibonacci Squirrels design. Now, our conversation with Nicola Jarvis about her beautiful new book, Life in Seasons. Welcome back. I'm Gary Parr. And I'm Beth Ellicott. And you're listening to Fiber Talk, the twice-weekly podcast for needlework artists. Our artist this week from the Nicola Jarvis studio, the Nicola Jarvis. Nicola, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Gary. Hi, Beth. August 2020 was the last time we talked. Holy smokes. I know. I can't believe it. It's just flown, hasn't it? And it has. so much has happened in between. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yes. Oh, my. Yeah, well, we got to do this more often, so um, uh, mark that down on your calendar. Yep. Will do, with All pleasure. Right. All right, so that was August 16th, so people who want to know Nicholas' background, where she came from, what she did, how she got here, is uh, all in that podcast, even though it's three and a half years old, it's all there. Um, so, well, Nicholas joined us today, she has two new books coming out, one 
their their life in seasons, the embroidered world of Nicola Jarvis. And so uh, just give us the basics here. So two books, The Winter Spring is the first one. Yes, that's right. That's volume one. And Summer Autumn is volume two. And Winter Spring is out at the end of January, uh, the 25th. Uh, it's released. Um, and it's about my walks in the countryside near where I live with my dog Quince and all the natural history and wildlife and the countryside that we enjoy on a daily basis. And that has inspired a, um, a set, a series of embroidered projects, which I feature in the book, which are all um, wild animals. There are eight of them and they're all um, decorated um, and inspired by the seasons uh, in which I, I saw them. So, okay, so that comes out in January, and then the uh, summer, yes. autumn, summer, fall, when does that come out? That comes out in October 25, so in about 18 months' time. Okay. Just over, yeah. So just enough time to get all the projects in uh, winter, spring done, and then new ones come Win out. Yeah, winter, spring are done. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's right winter spring are done um and i have the advanced copy right in front of me um so i'm currently working on summer autumn right now as we speak so i'm currently stitching away um and all those projects have to be submitted to inspirations their studios in February of next year. So just over a year to, oh, yeah. No pressure. Uh, ship, no pressure <laughs> to ship eight, um, yeah, really compelling projects. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and these these books she uh, Nicola's done with inspiration. So they have uh, all the photography and production uh, high-end quality uh, elements that you get out of really of any Inspirations products, all the instructions that we're familiar with, a list of of, of materials and illustrations, all, all that is in the book. So you get you get exactly what you would see in the magazine or other Inspirations books in terms of doing the projects. So it's uh, that's really nice. I mean, the quality is beautiful. Beth and I have PDF advanced copies that we've looked at. <laughs> I know we're both buying the book <laughs> as soon as it comes out, but oh, um, wow. got to own that sucker. But uh, uh, but but it also you know, being in conjunction with with inspirations, there's a familiarity, but then there's just that ultra high quality that uh, that goes with it that really uh, really makes it nice just from a, the perspective of doing the projects. It it, it really is. Um... I mean, I, I knew, obviously, I've known them for nearly 10 years and worked with them for 10 years, the Inspirations team, um, both the, the previous and now the present um, team under Andrea and uh, Christian Fleming. And um, their, their work, their um, styling, their photography, the quality of their writing, that it's just sublime. It really is. And so... Um, 
that's really one of the things that swung my decision to work with them. I already knew knew them, knew you know how well we we worked together because I've I've taught at uh, beating around the bush mm-hmm. on four occasions, and um, I've also had projects featured in their magazines, and they they never let you down. They yeah. you know you they take your projects to a whole you know to new heights in terms of um, the way that they present it, and they've they've the book is absolutely beautiful it really is and i was staggered when i actually received the physical <laughs> copy um i i didn't expect anything less but i think when you get the physical thing in your hands there's it's just a, another another level altogether yeah so did they approach you about doing a book or did you have an idea and ask them if they wanted to publish it so um, we, we have to go back 10 years, Beth. And um, in 2014, I was approached by their then editor, Anna Scott, to write a collaborate, write a book with them based on William Morris inspired creatures. And that project, that book project with them was shelved because the company changed hands and was taken over by um Christian and Andrea Fleming in 2015-16 and then when I was at Beating Around the Bush in 2018 Christian and I had a discussion about me collaborating on another book idea not the Morris um, creatures but historically inspired um, projects and I submitted a synopsis and they were just having a look at it and discussing it when my husband had to have open heart surgery and I wrote to Christian and said, you know, the book, I, I can't do that book at the moment. I've got to look after. I've got to concentrate on my husband. I'm sorry. And they were great. They said, absolutely. No question. Then the pandemic hit. And then in 20, yep. <laughs> that pandemic, I'll tell you, it was just, <laughs> no, just a chunk out of everyone's oh lives. And then so in 2020, so when that hit, you know, we were all left with a lot of free time on our hands. And I started to do a lot of designing based on my garden, nature, um, the creatures, the plants in the garden and beyond, you know, in the fields and, and lanes that are at the back of our house. And in um, July 21, Christian emailed me and said, hey, Nicola, what about doing a book come on what about this book idea what about us getting this book idea off the ground now and I said oh my goodness Christian that's really weird and fortuitous because I am working on a whole body of work and I have a load of drawings right now I was thinking of self-publishing but in actual fact how wonderful that we could actually finally collaborate and so in August 21 he drew up the contract I signed the contract and started the work and here we are after book one has been completed. <laughs> wow. That wow. Uh, the, the idea for the book, uh, the designs, when I first saw it, my, my gut reaction was, okay, these are, these are some beautifully embroidered animals. And then when you actually look at it and read the background, and we're not going to go through the whole book. People got to buy it and look at it and people will want to <laughs> buy this. Trust me. But, mm-hmm. but, I'm looking at your designs, and uh, it's animals, but then the bodies of the animals are the the flora and fauna. They're not just fur. And 
it, it was uh, I, it was the second it was like a second take like holy smokes she took the environment that these animals are in at that time of year and made that the body and and I I, I just sat here and just applauded you for the, the the combination and and bringing the environment into the animals you saw it just uh, really creative really enjoyed that part oh wow well I think it was a um it was a natural progression or a development from the collaging that I was doing with the William Morris patterns on the birds and the creatures, you know, of of a few years ago. And then I started, I think it was very much sort of being really inspired by the countryside that is around us here in, in the Midlands. It's very rolling. It's very green. It's very pretty. There's lots of beautiful plants, um, gorgeous trees. You know, it's it's endlessly inspirational. And progressively on these dog walks, you know, I we spot creatures and I it all started to sort of meld. You know, the, the landscape started to meld on top of the creatures and everything was sort of feeding into each each other, if that makes sense. And so I think that collaging patterns onto animals was something I was already doing. And then I just sort of took the inspirational shapes and patterns of the landscape and collaged those onto this this most recent set of creatures. So I'm glad you like them, Gary and Beth. I'm, I re- it's really lovely that you like them. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed I enjoyed doing them, I must say. <laughs> and I think the pandemic gave me the time and freedom to really just have joyful sort of freedom and playtime and not be um you know uh, burdened by deadlines you know sometimes mm-hmm. us designers get really weighed down by by that and um i'm not saying it can it stops our creativity but i think sometimes it can pressure you and you know um but the pandemic did me a favor let's say it, it and the dog walks and you know i was able to sort of just breathe and enjoy and just let it all flow <laughs> well you're not the first designer we've talked to who who's expressed that experience we, we just oh. got to find a way to do it without some nasty virus um yes isn't <laughs> that the truth isn't yeah. that that we wear so many hats don't we as a sort of sole trader uh, designers that's right. the thing isn't it yeah and the book the other part of 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 the designs and walking with your dog and and seeing these things is it's you know we th- we think to see amazing things that we have to get on a plane and fly for four hours and get in a hotel and 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 you know plan a trip and the whole thing and you're doing this all in your backyard basically and, it, and just yeah take just opening your eyes and being being uh willing to to draw in what's your what you in your environment and and look what you found and i think that's another forgive keep mentioning the p word but i think that was another um another thing that everybody realized or at least many saw the beauty of just what was near them when they were going on those walks we were all just walking weren't we lots of us <laughs> hadn't walked much had we <laughs> yep. and I think when you walk and you're not driving or not on public transport you are actually keying in much closer aren't you to what is around you to the details and and what it you know your your environment and in my case it was you know the country lanes and the fields beyond the house and 
the allotment we have an allotment garden a very extensive allotment garden um beyond the house as well and just walking around that with quince and watching that changing through the seasons was one of the favorite things of my day it really has become you know something really really special and you know extremely uh, important now a feeder into my work well and i think you're saying something that's important i think it's that you know we live in a very busy world and just to slow down because when I walk I generally try to walk you know I'm, I'm going fast I'm trying to get my aerobics in or whatever but to, to slow down and to look at the texture of the trees to see the mushrooms growing I, you know when I slow down you see more don't you I mean you see those things that God has created around us that we can slow down and and look at and then you did that during the pandemic and then created some beautiful art. I mean, it's just, it's just gorgeous. I just love it. I'm looking at the image of the, um, of the basket with the gold work butterflies. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) the colors in there. I'm like, Oh, Oh, Oh no, this is, this is, um, this is just beautiful. And, but I think you need to slow down to see things. I think that's the, what we're, we just live these busy lives and we, we don't. And and I think what you're saying, Beth, is we need to to consciously take time, don't we, as you say, to to just, you know, enjoy that very simple, the simple pleasures, really, which Mm -hmm. they're so important. They cost nothing. And yet they are so important for our well-being, aren't they? And as artists for can be for for our work, you know, in terms of inspiration and 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 creating you know new new designs right you know, right. You know and beth describes that you, know, you go through a walk through the woods to get your aerobics in but but when you go just for a walk you're in in a forest or a meadow whatever it might be and and you see the you see the the bigger picture but then like beth said if you slow down your mind does a shift and it starts to see the little things. It starts, you start to get immersed in it. And that was what came out of this book for me was you probably done a couple of walks or or so with, with Quince and, and then you start to find these things start to pop out that you, you were overlooking before. And totally. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, then I'm sure that the, the ideas start to flow after that. So, they yeah they come thick and fast i mean so many <laughs> that you just don't have a you know a chance to to realize all of them and that's i think one of the beautiful frustrations of being an artist i mean you know we we can get a bit sort of bogged down by it all but actually you know that i think and as well you've got to learn to be selective and just drive a few of those ideas but um as you say gary you're absolutely right it is just a feast isn't it a just rich rich feast of of ideas and inspirations as you say both on the larger scale and that really macro you know going right into as beth says textures and little details and little insects and a cobweb or you know a leaf that's that's just sort of dried out and all of it it's crumbled away and it's just left just the the vein like structure that looks like lace all those mm-hmm. things which Oh, wish we could live forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, so take us through that process now. All right, so you start to see these things. I mean, the badger. Beth and I both uh, commented about the badger, the black, basically black and white badger. Wow, I just just love that one. Um, oh. Take us through that process. You start to see these things, and then is it uh, just just photos in the field, or do you have a sketchbook with you, or how, how do you start to process these ideas? So. With to always take the the camera, the phone, um, or and I always have taken the camera when I've gone walking, and even you know before Quince. So I used to go walking with David. We used to do you know the the walks, the the famous walks um, in the UK. I mean, I've only done two with David, but we used to break them up into legs, you know, of a of a six or seven miles that we'd do a day, and we'd go with friends, and I'd take the camera. And I photograph all sorts of aspects of, of the natural world. It could be, you know, a leaf, a butterfly, a mushroom, a flower, uh, a tree, a landscape, you know, whatever. Um, and then that's a record. So that's a record of something that really interests me. Um, and then I'll take that back to the studio. But whilst I'm walking, I've captured the record of something I want to pursue or develop. But whilst I'm walking, I'm thinking about how I can work with that thing. And invariably with me, something always comes uh, into my mind of how I'm going to work something. I see these images of the badger that was, you know, the badger had all of the, the leaves and plants on him. The fox was draped in the flowers of the hedgerows. The hair was festooned with the spring blossoms. You know, they these images come to me once I've sort of captured something or seen an animal. Suddenly something then will just spark from that and appear in my mind as an, 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 a design, a drawing. And I will come back to the studio and with the with the aid of the photographs, with the aid of um, my knowledge of the decorative arts, specifically textiles and embroidery, but also ceramics, I'll then work up a quick sketch of what was in my mind, how I wanted to present this animal. And then from that quick sketch, I will develop a detailed colour drawing. So it takes, you know, it can take a few days, possibly a week or a few weeks to, to sort of get that design drawing realized and then that forms that detailed design drawing forms the basis then of the embroidery design so when you get back to the house then is it i've got these two hot ideas i need to sit down right away and at least scratch something on paper so i yes so i can cook the cook from there correct it has to sort of be nailed as you say does it you know really swift um, get it out of the head, through the hand and onto the paper. And it's never a beautiful looking thing, or at least I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, you know, I, other people might have different ideas. I don't think so. But they are, as you say, a really quick reference, a really quick uh, throwdown of how I want this thing to look when I've worked into it with with greater detail. Okay, and then, then it cooks and then you... Uh you start to refine it over over uh, a few days then 
Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And that that can take, you know, anything from three or four days up to a couple of weeks. And it does depend on which medium I choose as well. But mostly it's color pencil, but sometimes it's collage um, uh, or paint um, with sparrows. I painted those on a big board. Um, the basket that Beth likes was a collage. So that was all collaged with um, drawings that I cut out and then la- layered little mm. drawings and layered those up. So the you know the design process will can be different um, in terms of what what materials I use. So effectively, nice. you're you're yeah. creating two two works of art then. Well, yes, I think this is what's this is is what's happening actually. And inspirations were very keen on having the drawings and the paintings as well as the embroideries. Um, they wanted to feature those as well as as the stitching. I mean, the stitching was absolutely key, but they also um, saw value um, in in the drawings. And they do have a different sort of feel to them, both, you know, the the, the embroidery is so sort of textured and, and, and rich in terms of of its layering um, with the fibres and the and the paint, the, excuse me, the beads and the sequins, um, whereas the drawings are much flatter. But again, they have a different kind of depth in terms of uh, the tones um, and textures. So it's interesting, actually, to view the two together, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes and and now now that you said that you did collage on that one um on the basket i think that's what maybe that's why i was so drawn to it is because i see the layers there on the piece and layers always intrigue me always oh, interesting i i've always enjoyed collage beth always enjoyed you know cutting things out and layering things up and um yeah, and that piece is very much um, from that kind of, of process. So it's really nice that you, you like that for that reason. Yeah, it, it, I, I think that's because you can see the, um, the various bits kind of jumping off the, off the, the surface, you know, the, the butterflies. And, and, that, and that gives it that dimension, which I just, I just love, which I also love about embroidery because it, it is a – a tactile um, art form you know you you there's you know there's feeling when you move the threads through the textile but there's also feeling on top of the surface which um, I like the tactileness of it so and um, um, me too Beth me too uh, me too absolutely you know for 30 odd years that's completely loved being immersed in that and a lot of my embroiderers many of them in fact if not all of them are not behind glass, you know, for the reason that I like them to be felt. Embroidery for me is something that was, you know, about furnishing, about softening, about keeping warm. And I I, I love to keep that feeling in my objects, um, you know, that I make. I don't like to put many behind glass. I like to have that um the immediacy of the texture of embroidery and I like to actually see embroidery decay as well to degrade Mm. I'm not frightened of it you know having a life that you know it starts as as one thing and then becomes you know this slightly less of itself and disappears you know if it sort of fades in the sun or it breaks down because of the insects eating it I love that Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I have a friend that she actually um, 
she, we, we, we share, um, like if I go estate sailing and there's a piece of fabric that has a hole in it, uh, like a linen or something, she wants that piece specifically because she loves that hole. And then she'll, she'll do artwork all around a piece of fabric that has a hole in it. Fantastic. I see. I, you know, she's celebrating the the decay and the distress, isn't she? It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. As you're as you're creating the painting, the drawing, the collage, whatever it is, as you're going through that process, is the other side of your mind then uh, creating the, the the needlework that is going to be the ultimate piece? Yes. And, and yeah. are we making notes as we go, or is it just collecting in your head? Mm, there's a f- a few notes, Gary, but they are sparse. It's it's in my head, but also. When I think because I've been involved with embroidery for, you know, over three decades, sort of lived it and breathed it for that many years, I think I know that my drawing and painting is very much informed by the stitch marks, the stitch mechanics. Uh I really feel that. And so it's when I did the Morris show, the the William Morris show and was designing for that. Uh, the drawings I I made before the stitching was was executed by by a lot of the stitchers and myself, they all had um, the 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 techniques were all there in the drawings, so you could tell what was long and short, you could tell what was satin stitch, you could tell what was couched, you could tell the French knots, and I think that's that's how I draw. Um, you can see all that is held in the in the drawing mark so it's quite easy then for me or for other stitchers to translate those drawings into embroiderers so all the thinking and the planning is actually in the drawing itself so there's there's no need really for that many notes I mean I make a few but not many because all the information is there Mm. so so that the the art then that that drawing or whatever that really is your notes then very much so. Yeah. Very, very much so. And I've done a lot of um, organizing and experimenting and, and decision making in the drawing. So the embroidery, for the most part, is pretty straightforward in terms because all the decisions have been made. And I'm more often than not, most of what I've planned in the drawing works out in the embroidery. Not everything, you know, the odd thread might not look as good as I thought it might you know or I wanted to add something or take something away but that's just I would say you know not a huge amount of that happens for the most part you know the embroidery tends to work very well from the drawing if if that makes yeah it makes sense doesn't it oh oh yeah in in, in terms yeah yeah Yeah, because many designers uh, the stitching part is where a lot of the creativity happens, the fluidity of the design. But you've already worked that out. For yes, the most part. I have. Yeah, okay. For the most part, it is still, I wouldn't say it's not, it's still organic. It's, you know, and, and something else happens in, in the embroidery that didn't happen in the drawing, which is really exciting. You know, as you say, that flow, it's really exciting to see the drawn marks translating into the embroidered marks. I love that that transitioning it's it's fabulous some some that didn't work out oh god loads (laughs) okay (laughs) 
<laughs> You're still normal low. then. <laughs> oh, God. So normal. So normal. You know, absolutely. And I love that, you know, and I hope them. And I love the mistakes. And I, I have got the sparrows, um, for example. That The sparrows that's in the book is the third incarnation of the sparrows. Oh. Yep. I've got two other samples that were nearly finished. They were nearly finished, and I decided, no, nope, nah, don't like them. And I've got, I actually found them the other day and looked at them and thought, you're a fussy little madam, you are. <laughs> fussy, fussy little madam. <laughs> really, pickinickety. <laughs> yep, and they're fine. But, hey, who knows? I, whatever, it's the day. I, yep, just yeah. something about them didn't hey. work for me on the day and that's fine because they're interesting it'd be really good when i teach now to show you know all the different options that have come out of one drawing mm-hmm. the different interpretations that's that's the exciting thing isn't it well it's it's important to know that because uh, i think people in general view uh artists such as you as you know uh, you started with this idea and it and it here it is. It worked out perfect and it works out perfect every time. And they never see all the stuff that's shoved in a box that just didn't work. Or, or yeah, like you said, that particular day is like, nope, going to, going to start over and do it another way. Uh, it's important to know that there's much more of a process than some magic that you guys create. I think the magic is the, um, I've, I've read this a lot and I think now, it's I, I I live this and the magic is just it's just hard graft yeah. and it's experience and knowing what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I do sample before I start something. If I know if I'm a little doubtful or I'm not quite sure if it's going to work, I will sample and see. And on the whole, it does. But I need to sample it to make sure because we are working to deadlines at the end of the day. Um, for the most part, you know, your experience and your hard work sort of really, you've got those in your armory, haven't you, that, that carry you through. But you do make mistakes here and there and things don't work out. And that's, as you say, Gary, we're, we're all human and we're all learning, aren't we? We're all on a journey. You know, the word is overused, but we're all, aren't we, in our own right. train of development. And, you know, um, we all make messes just like the best of them (laughs) and there's nothing you know it's all good isn't it in the end it's it's not life and death is it no and i think i think the thing is it's um it's not being afraid to make the mistakes i think um i was talking to someone recently and they were like well i can't do that because i might ruin that that piece of fabric or i might ruin that and i was like but if you don't ever try how you know and yeah. and it's hard to get over that. It's hard to get over that fear of failure of quote unquote wasting materials. Um, you know, it's we all are gonna. If you don't fail, you won't know what mistakes. You know, you don't want how to move forward. No, um, no. And I hear people say that you know your failures are the most important part of your life because they're the things you grow from, aren't they? Mm-hmm. If everything goes well, you know. Um, you don't sort of dig deep in yourself, do you? Um, I I think I find now 
58 years of age, I find failure and mistakes really exciting. In fact, I find them more exciting now than what went smoothly and what worked. <laughs> yeah. Do you keep do you keep all your cast offs and Yep. Yep. Every single one. Okay. You know, I think they're really really important and I mean, when I teach, I say to people, try not to unpick you know, the, the, it's this whole story and actually what you might think is awful. If you just put it away for two days or let other people look at it, they, you know, you, you in two days time, you won't see it as, as being as awful as you did on the day. And <laughs> and when people look at it, they won't see what you think is really awful. They'll look at everything that's great about it, you know. Um, I mean, I get that people want to unpick things and want things to look really wonderful, but um, I try I try not to unpick too much. I try not to rub out in my drawings too much. When I was training as an artist years ago, going to life drawing, I had a tutor that said, don't use the eraser. Just, you know, just be really sure about the marks you're making. Mm. And if you don't like a mark you're putting down, you know, use it. Don't cover it up. Use it. A bit like Beth was saying with the holes in you know, the friend with the fabric. You know, I think it's it's interesting, isn't it? This mm. whole perfection and mistake thing. The whole conversation on this, I reckon, isn't there? Oh, oh, there is. And, and <laughs> you know, I, I suffer from perfectionism and uh, I drive myself nuts sometimes to the point where I ruin the fun of the needlework trying to make it perfect. And it's very hard for me to just let something go. And uh, like I just finished a reproduction sampler here recently. And uh, toward the end, I, I was off by a stitch. And it was like, uh, uh, I need to haul this all out because the perfectionist in me said, you know, you need to move this over one stitch. And th then that little voice said, you idiot, leave it. It's 40 count fabric. Nobody's going to be able to see that you were one thread off. Leave it. And Exactly. But it was hard. There was that moment where it was really hard for me to just finish the motif and move on. And um, and, and you're right. And then no one will ever know uh, other than the fact that I just admitted it. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, and, 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 you know, I've got other ones I think we all do where there's an error and then five years later you couldn't find that error to save your uh, hide because you exactly. just forget. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm glad you didn't take all that work out, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. I know. It was hard I though. Bet it was hard. And no, 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 I'm you know, I think I think a lot of us embroiderers have got that kind of perfectionist aspect about them. And as you say, um, Someone said to me the other day, it's not about perfectionism. It's about being a high achiever. Try and think of it more like that. Ooh, I'm you know? writing that down. High achiever. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And it sort of softens that whole the harshness that perfectionism can kind of, it can appear, can't it? Sort of quite hard mm. and brittle. And I think if you're striving to just achieve the best for yourself, it sort of feels a bit more gentle, doesn't it? Than, than the perfectionist. Yeah. Um, that, that can be a little, sometimes um, it's just not realistic, is it? Well, that's, that's the other part. Yeah. It, it isn't realistic and uh, you can bang your head against the wall all day long and you're just not going to get there. So <laughs> enjoy. Relax. It. 
Yeah. And be yourself. Enjoy <laughs> it. Yep. Enjoy the process. Yeah, Enjoy let that it process. flow. Let it flow. Yeah. That's it. One of the many highlights in your book, and I hope you do it in the second book, is the 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 people, the tangential ancillary people that came along with this process, the upholsterer and the bookbinder, and you have little stories about them in there. And I, I read every word of every one of them. It was just fascinating. Uh, uh, these people that are part of this project, and it, it's that old. It, it, nothing happens by yourself. There's a, there's always a, a body of people who make something happen when it comes to these kinds of projects, and uh, so so these these people that you you experienced and brought into the project is uh, absolutely fascinating. The the master upholsterer Gary Warren. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome guy. Uh, wonderful and I mean I'd met a lot of these people you know years I say years ago five six seven years ago um, because they did other work for me and for David so things for our house or other projects for me for you know my embroidery work and I didn't it didn't cross my mind at first when I was doing the book to to actually you know involve them and then it just seemed one day I was going over to I think it was Guy who did the um pole no we got the pole screen David bought it for me 10 years ago the pole screen it's absolutely gorgeous it's got little bluebells all carved at the sides of it and it had got a little bit wobbly got a little bit brittle it um in the heat of the house the wood had sort of shrunk a little bit and it just needed some TLC and Gary the upholsterer told me about Guy the cabinet maker and you know Ken, <laughs> Kenilworth and Warwick are not far away at all Leamington Kenilworth and Warwick they're all very historic towns and they're they're quite connected in terms of they're they're really close geographically and um Guy and Gary have been working together for years um Guy would restore the fur the, the wooden parts of the furniture that Gary would then upholster so Gary told me about Guy when I needed the pole screen um, restoring. And I thought to myself, this is just gold dust. I could I could have little vignettes of these wonderful heritage craftspeople. It just dawned on me. Mm. Don't just use them. Fe- you know, feature them because they're fabulous and their stories are so seldom told. And I think the book is a story, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of stories. It's a story of Quince and I walking. Um, and I thought, well, why can't their stories be part of this as well? And so um, I mentioned this to Christian and he said, no, that's that's great. Yeah, we really like that. That's, that's yeah. wonderful because Christian and Andrea and their team are all about it's not just about the one. It's about every, as you said, Gary, just now, it's about the whole team behind um, a piece of work or a project. And um, they are, they're fascinating people in their own right, aren't they? All of the contributors. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and it also brings in these other craft artist experts that are tangential to needlework in one way or another whether it's upholstery or framing or whatever and then and then you've got your your horticulturist uh, christine vick and and the people that 
played a role in the original source for the ideas. It it just all kind of weaves together and makes a real nice nice fabric for the for the project. Yeah, it's uh, just a little little extra. It's added interest, isn't it? But it's all really. It's not just um, arbitrary. It is all a very sort of important part of the story. Um, and as you say, they all play a part in these objects coming to life. And um, it just gives it some depth and it gives it sort of an added rich layer, I think, which I think I felt was just was important. Yeah. And another layer was the poetry. Now, did did the poetry come while you were doing your walking or? Yes, it did. It, it did, Beth. I mean, I Gary um, asked me earlier, you know, when he was giving me sort of a list of possible questions that we'd cover and he, you know, did you just write the poetry for the book or had you been writing poetry earlier in your life? And I've loved writing and poetry since I was, you know, a, a young, early teen. And um, it was a big part of my education when I was a little girl. We were, we were, you know, made to read a lot of poetry and to recite it by heart. I mean, it, I don't think it happens in schools anymore. But as you know, an artistic person, I have an artistic nature. Words that paint pictures have always fascinated me. And when um, you you look at some of the inspirations, their books, some of the opening um, chapters of the projects feature poems. They select poems that might suit a project. And I thought to myself, I, I bet you they'll choose poems to to you know go alongside my projects for the book and I thought you know what I actually don't want other people's poems because they won't have come from the same place as as the material that I've used to make the projects the, the embroideries the drawings so I think I'd like to to write my own so I said to Christian I wrote to him and said would you mind if I wrote some poetry <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I don't. I think he might have just humoured me at first and thought, you know, if we don't like it, we won't use it. But he actually really liked it, which I was, I was so pleased. I really was because, as as you suggested, Beth, I do actually formulate it as I walk around with the dog in the countryside. It's, you know, I'm watching, looking at things, observing things, and and descriptions are going through my head as well. In words, so I'm sort of painting with words as well. It's. It's really enjoyable. I, I really enjoy writing. I really do. It um, gives me great pleasure. It just adds to the story of the book. Um, and that's what I found so intriguing. Because I, I saw the poetry and I thought, okay, someone wrote a little poem to go with it. And then I thought, no, it was Nicola. She wrote it. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yes. I, <laughs> I did think, Beth, it was important. I thought it was quite important. You know, if I could, then why not? That's that's what I thought. This is out of left field, but when you and Quince are walking, do you kind of feel like like you immerse yourselves uh, in separate, parallel little universes there out in the in the woods, if you will? Yes, we are. Okay. He's busy. He's Quince's world is all about the scents and the smells. 
it's apparently they've got a hundred thousand um scent receptors in their noses i i didn't know this till i got a dog so his world is all about really really intense smells so he's busy seeing you know what creatures have been around that from the night before and i'm busy you know looking at whoa that would make a really great embroidery you know (laughs) (laughs) so we are together but in very different head spaces but but very happy companions very happy and and the same when my husband walks with him because we both walk him daily and uh, we just love it we absolutely love it you know it's yeah i think most people do yeah yeah all right let's let's look at the commercial aspect of all this the patterns, the kits, the instructions, where are people going to get these? What, uh, how, how are people going to connect with the, uh, the projects? Okay, so people have got two options. They can either purchase the embroidery projects from Inspirations or they can purchase the embroidery projects from me, from my website. Um, I have an online shop. So both Inspirations and myself are selling the projects and they'll be similar price and people can purchase them from either of us, you know. And I think what might dictate um, people's choices or decisions is, you know, where they are in the world, if that makes sense, in terms of shipping and taxes. So there's those you know, the, all the, the Australian and that side of the world, um, it might, you know, it's probably going to be more um, economical to, to purchase from Inspirations. And then people sort of over in Europe um, and the UK will probably choose to purchase from me. But they're going to be available from both of us, Inspirations on their website and from me on my website. Okay. And then our, our, uh, kits uh the uh, basic instructions are in the book so buy the book then you have that but uh you do uh, but the... equally we both we both include uh instruction booklets in the okay. kits as well um i think inspirations also do a, a pdf um as well i think you can download um a pdf as well um for a price obviously um myself with my kits they include a very very detailed instruction booklet or the fabric um and all the all the fibers yarns and threads and notions and needles um to be able to complete the project now will people uh who have large stashes be able to buy instructions and the printed design and as a separate thing or is it so that's a really really good question and i will just i will actually just talk to christian about that and just ask him you know whether or not that will be on offer i'm sure at some point gary it will be um because it's something i like to do anyway um and i do sell my instruction booklets from previous projects just with the fabric so that people can indeed use up their threads and also create something that's a bit more personal and individual as well, which I think is really exciting. Um, But that particular detail, Gary, I think I'd need to go back to Christian and just um, verify that one. But if if people do want just fabric and booklet only, I think they'll need to either approach inspirations or myself and 
um, at some point uh, after the end of January, we'll be able to give them an answer on that. There's also in the book um, pull out patterns as well so that people can um, transfer the, the line design onto fabric and do their own re rendition, their own um, creation from um, the line design of all the creatures. So they, they don't have to work with my colours or fabrics. They can they can create their very own um, mm -hmm. interpretation. So so basically all the options we would have with any other Inspirations project uh, or product are, are, are yeah. there. So, okay, yeah, this, yeah, I think this will be no different uh, yeah. eventually. Yeah, with, with the just talking about the fabric and booklet just on their own. And and Beth mentioned, and I, it didn't even hit me until she mentioned it, that the designs are printed in color on the cloth. That's on yeah on on all of them. They are all printed on in color, full color on the cloth. So three of them are on um, a twill weave, um, and. The other five are on a selection of different cotton surfaces. Um, so, yes, they are. They are on. They have their full color and you embroider over the print. And some of the printed area in the motif is left visible between the stitches. And some of the printed areas are completely covered in stitch. So you get that um that sort of effect of a bit of the colour print showing through alongside the stitching. So you've got that sort of d different levels um, going on within the embroidery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, this isn't going to come out right, but I'm just going to go for it. Um, I was surprised or intrigued that you used twill as opposed to uh a more conventional embroidery fabric on those projects was that a well well three three of the yeah three of the projects are um three of the projects are on linen twill um because it's they're they're predominantly cruel work projects ah okay um and the, the linen supports wool cruel wool embroidery you know very effectively um, and the other five projects are surface embroidery um, with a bit of crawl work, a bit of gold work, a bit of grazed work. Um, and again, they're a little bit lighter um, in weight. Yeah. Um, so, no, it was a conscious and, and, and decision um, to, to put them onto the linen twill. Um, however, I, I do need to um, communicate this at this time, and I hope you don't mind me just sort of using your platform in nope. order to do this. So I think it's really important. Um, when I started designing the creatures in 21 and, and decided to put the badger, the fox and the, the mallard duck onto linen, um, I, was I was accessing my linen from a weaver in Scotland called Angus Weavers and they'd been weaving linen twill they're a again a heritage company that had been weaving linen twill for decades and I had used their linen twill for decades and I had um, encountered it initially when I did my apprenticeship at the Royal School of Needlework and 
Angus Weavers in 22, um, they went out of business, oh. not through any financial problems, but um, Ian, um, who was running it at that time, decided to retire. And he worked in Angus Weavers until quite late in his life. And when I spoke to him uh, a while back and, you know, said, oh, you know, it, it's been wonderful and thank you so much. He said, well, Nicola, you know what, at my age, it was time. It was, and, you know, he was not a spring chicken. So I was really impressed that he worked as long as he did and kept the the, the, the woven fabric going. So what happened was the company closed and another company are manufacturing the linen twill. Um, but what has happened is I've had to source another fabric, which is very, very similar, but not linen. It's a very, very heavy drill cotton. It's like the linen twill, but it's actually cotton. So it's heavy and it's got the diagonal twill weave running through it, just like the linen twill, but it's not linen. And the reason is um, we couldn't actually um, get the, the colour printing to work as well on this new twill as I could with the old twill that's no, no longer being produced. So um, the the prints look amazing on this new fabric and the new fabric is really heavy and perfect for cruel work. Um, but I, I can no longer produce it at the moment on, on the original linen. Due, due to just a different manufacturing process, which is not compatible with the print process at the moment. But yeah. we're all working on it. And eventually, I think I'm sure that we'll get to the point where we'll be able to print effectively um, on, on the new linen like we did the old. Yeah. But just needed I needed to be able to say that. And I hope you don't mind me using oh, no. this opp opportunity just to communicate that to everybody. Not at all. No, I mean, that stuff that stuff happens. I mean, people are entitled yeah. to retire, for crying out oh, loud. Oh, absolutely. Know? Of course they are. And it was, you know, a wonderful product, uh, fabulous. And we, we all, you know, those of, of us that have used it all know it and love it, um, you know, so that everyone who's used it will know what I'm talking about. So how many meters of the original twill have you hoarded? Not <laughs> that many, sadly. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah, no, because I wasn't aware of, you know, how, how um, I wasn't aware that, that, that Ian was thinking of retiring. Um, I have bits and pieces, Gary, you know, enough for a few projects, personal projects, but not enough to, to do a whole print run of my, you know, kit designs. Mm. So, um you know, that's it. But I found a, a really great surface, which um, works very, very well. And, um, you know, and on we go. Yep. So, so there we are. That's what you have to do. All yeah, right, so absolutely. Now, now, this year is, is uh, a lot going on outside of the book for you. So we've got a, a new website for you coming up. Yes, and then, a lovely uh, new website. I've got a great graphic designer, a lovely girl called Emma, and she's um, runs... She's a young, very bright, um, fantastic um, graphic designer. And she's in, currently, um, she's designed a beautiful website for me because she said my old one just didn't, you know, didn't present me um, in the way that she felt I needed to be presented. She said, you know, you tell stories through your embroidery and none of that is communicated on your existing website, Nicola. <laughs> so um, anyway, she's really she's really brought it up to scratch. And so that's launched at uh, the same time as the book is released at the end of January. OK. All right. And then uh, teaching 
at the Royal School, and then and I'm gonna I'm gonna get this name wrong. The uh, well, you're Weems. gonna you're gonna do some the travel. Weems. Yeah, um, I am. I'm um, so I'm teaching. I'm teaching online for the Royal School of Needlework um, in um, July or is it August? I can't quite remember. It's on, it's on their website. It's in the summer of this year. And the, the Royal School of Needlework hold an annual international summer school over in uh, Lexington in the US. Yes. And I will be teaching an online course um, alongside the the well it's it's all part of the summer school but i'll be teaching from my studio and i'll be teaching students um and attendees who are in the states um uh, from my studio in leamington spa so that and i'm i'm working we'll be working on a project called myrtle blossom which i designed for the school's 150th birthday which was last yeah in 2022 so yeah yeah, we'll be uh, talking with uh, Susan here in a, an upcoming show about all the things that are coming up from the Royal School and uh, yeah. summer school is part of that. Great, uh, that thing. Great yeah, stuff. and, and it, it, one of the benefits of the pandemic is uh, we've gotten very good at doing online classes, so people will be. Able we to, do. Yeah. We have, and Gary, my last thing I said to you in our in our last podcast, which was in 2020, I said to you, Gary, I'm going to get that Zoom under my belt. <laughs> and I have. <laughs> I've done it. And it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It yeah. doesn't replace face-to-face classroom teaching and, and real group work, but it's a great substitute for reaching a lot of people who couldn't normally, you know, you couldn't normally go and teach and they couldn't normally come to you. So it's fantastic. Right, right. Now talk about this needlework travel uh, that you're doing. So... um Jeremy Hamilton and Elizabeth Bozjevic, who was the editor of Needlepoint Now for 17 years. And she tells me, Gary, you interviewed her many years ago on the yes. Fiber Talk. Yes. And um, she had great fun with you, she said. Um, Elizabeth is now, um, she's no longer editor. She was there for 17 years and she sold the magazine. And she's now um, working with, um, an English gentleman called Jeremy Hamilton, who has he has uh, dealt in needlepoint canvases um, nearly all of his working life. And they've joined forces and created Needlework Travel, which is a tour company um, for needlepointers, but not not predominantly for needlepointers. It's the needlepoint is the thrust of it. Um, but they welcome surface stitches if they want to come along because the classes that are taught are a, a mix of needlepoint and surface embroidery. Um, and they travel to, um, uh, we're going to Paris in the spring and in the autumn of, of this year, we're going to the Lake District and to Scotland to the Weems School of Needlework. Um and basically, they put on really wonderful, wonderful tours. Um, they're really high quality. Um, the stitches will stay in beautiful places. They will visit wonderful venues with great collections. Um, and they will do some really interesting needlework, needlepoint or surface embroidery projects um, whilst they're traveling. 
and I'm part of that, you know, um, aspect of it as a teacher that um, Jeremy and Elizabeth employ. So um, we're going to Scotland to the Weems um, School of Needlework, which is a really interesting, really interesting school. It was founded in 1877 and founded uh, just after the Royal School of Needlework was was uh, started in 1872. The Weems School started as a, a sort of copy of um, the, the, the Royal School um, and also wanted to provide income for, um, for, for, for girls and young women who didn't have occupation. So in order, they taught them embroidery to give them a means of earning money. Um, and the school has thrived um, since that time. And they now offer classes. They have a beautiful collection, a historic collection of needlework, which is on offer for people to study. Um, and they are like the Royal School of Needlework. They are expanding their horizons and building their repertoire. And they're well worth looking up on on the Internet, looking at their website um, and they do have this wonderful collection of needlework that, that, that they like to use as a, as, a, as a point of, you know, education for their projects and classes. Have you taught at the Weems School before? No, they, it's going to be my first time in the autumn. And um, we've, they've apparently, according to Jeremy, they've wanted to, you know, collaborate with me for a number of years. And sometimes, you know, life just doesn't seem to bring you together, does it? But <laughs> right. but it but next October is is when you know I will work with them, and I'm really looking forward to it. It'd be be wonderful to go to Scotland, and great to to be part of 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 their school for a few days. Right. Uh, it's, yeah, and for people looking it up, it's W E M Y S S. Yeah, when when you say weems, it doesn't it doesn't translate no. to <laughs> no that. No, that's right. Wem, wemis. <laughs> yeah, wemis. Yeah, wemis. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're going to be on the road then. That's going to be great. Yes, it's it is. It's going to be it's going to be lovely. I mean, I've got to be really careful about time and energy levels because it's an awful, it's a busy year. But it's going to be great fun and very very exhilarating. Um, mm-hmm. It's lovely to it's lovely to be with students and and to I, I really enjoy teaching. It's such a it gives so much back, you know, you, it gives you so much back. Um, you, you give a lot, but you get a lot back. It's a, a wonderful two way street. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that dynamic again and, um, and to, yeah, going, just going further afield for a yep. change. Yeah. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. No, that's so, right. Uh, so the new, the new book, uh, end of the month, end of January. And then the, uh, Summer, autumn. Is it autumn or fall? We're going with autumn. It's summer, autumn. Okay. It's the volume, volume two is summer, autumn. That's right. So that'll be next year, and we'll be able it to get will. those through your website, through Inspirations. That's right. That's right. And I'm sure, you know, there'll be a lot of publicity around the release of the second one as well. So I'm sure that if everybody, um, you know, keeps a watch on Inspirations website or signs up to their newsletter which comes out every Friday, and it's, it's a fantastic thing. I, Gary and Beth, do you get the Inspirations newsletter on a Friday? Really? You oh, have yes. to ask that? <laughs> oh, okay. I, you, I, yeah, okay. Hands up. <laughs> Sorry. 
sorry. But <laughs> no, I, yeah. perhaps, perhaps some of your, you know, your listeners, your audience, our audience today may not, may not be subscribing to it, but it's worth it, isn't it? It's a, a lovely thing to have land oh, yeah. in your inbox on a Friday morning. Yep. Um, so information about the book will be in the newsletter, will be on the web, Inspirations website, it'll be on my website and my newsletter. So um, there'll be places to find out more, um, you know, when when um, these things happen. Yep. Yeah. If you, if you never if you never buy a, an Inspirations anything, at least sign up for the newsletter because it is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they do a good job. But but. Uh, uh, Basically, you do that, and you'll you'll start purchasing books and magazines and other things. I guarantee you. Yep, it's yep. all yeah. Everything's really special on there, isn't it? It sure is. Very yep. very desirable. Yep. Well, Nicola, thanks so much. Wow, what a ride! Good for you. Congratulations <laughs> on the new book. It's um yeah, it's terrific. Yep. Thank you so much, Gary, and thank you, Beth, and thank you for having me and letting me talk about it. I really appreciate it. It's a really lovely platform. Yeah, we appreciate the time, and thanks to everyone for listening.